You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message, recorded live from our Brighton campus. Last week I shared the story of Jesus walking on water and and sort of this theme that maybe we're uh, entering into right now, a new perspective for a new year. And uh, and as I said, I, I shared about Jesus walking on water and how three things took place in that story. And one of them was that Jesus saw the disciples. Um, and the reality is that it was, it was significantly dark that evening, but yet Jesus saw the disciples. And I shared how even in our darkest hour, even in the challenging times that we face, Jesus sees us. He's not distant. He sees us. And the kind of the second thing I said was Jesus responds. And so it's one thing, it's, it's beautiful that Jesus sees us, but he requires in many, many senses a response from us. And in this particular story, we see that Jesus responded to the disciples when they cried out. And so in life, we can be assured that Jesus sees us, but we also have to be aware that, that Jesus will not force himself on us. He wants us to know that he's there, but he won't force himself on us. And so we need to respond to him by crying out, and then he responds to us. And the final thought I had in this was that then Jesus breaks in. So he sees us, we respond to him, and he, and in this particular story, he jumps, he, he climbs into the boat. And so we see this, this element of him breaking into the disciples' lives, or in this case, into our lives, and how in that, he wants to bring that peace, and he wants to bring resolve in our lives, because many times there can be a lot of things that are going on, and Jesus wants to bring resolve in those situations. And so um, we concluded last week that God is great, so we don't need to be in control, and this is going to be for tonight. So God is great, so we don't need to be in control. And that even when our circumstances change, he doesn't. He is steadfast. So when our circumstances change, when the difficult times come for us, those those circumstances may change, but he is steadfast. And you know, when we really understand this, this truth, it's fantastic news to know that even in the ups and downs of life, he's consistent and, and he is with us. And so along the same lines this week, uh, a new perspective for a new year. Um, I'm going to talk about tonight about God is good, so we don't need to look elsewhere. So again, last week it was God is great, so we don't need to be in control. This week, God is good, so we don't need to look elsewhere. The reality is that all all goodness starts and ends with God. All goodness starts and ends with God. And, and God, and God alone is the one that gives complete, gives, um, abundant life. He, he gives complete wholeness to our lives if we allow Him to do that. And, you know, there's a scripture that talks about there's fullness of life in Jesus. Fullness of life. I mean, I think there's so many people that don't fully understand that reality that we can have fullness in Jesus. And, uh, and it's found in no one else and in nothing else. We can search for it all we want. 
We can try and fill it with things in life, but the reality is that Jesus is the one person that can bring that fullness that we truly desire, that fullness that is the only thing that can fill our hearts to um, full completeness. And yet even knowing this truth, we can find ourselves falling into the trap of looking for fulfillment elsewhere. And I'm, I'm sure if I was to ask you know, each of you as we w- went around this room, you would, you would say, yeah, there's, there's been many times or a few times or the odd time. Or actually yesterday, I was trying to fill my life with other things and I've realized that I've come up short. It's, it hasn't brought that fulfillment that I need. You know, maybe for some it's you look for that fulfillment um, in ourselves without God. Sometimes people try to do that. And I, I find for me it's I fall more into the category as a Christian that I've over the years I've looked to other things to try and bring that fulfillment that I can only found in, in Christ. It never satisfies is what I have found. And uh, maybe you would agree that maybe for maybe for a short while it satisfies, but after a little bit of time, it always falls short. It never brings that wholeness that we desire and need. So tonight, we're going to turn to a passage of scripture in Luke. And it's Luke 18, verses 18 to 22. And it's going to come up on the screen in just a second, and then we're just going to read that. So Luke 18, 18 to 22. It says, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasures or you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And uh, the scripture continues how basically the man turns away and, and walks away. Now, before you check out, of, check out on me, and, because you're like, hey, have you looked at my bank account lately? It is not full. There's not a lot of money in that bank account. So I don't see how this particular scripture is going to apply to me. Well, this scripture has a lot more meaning to it than just money. And so, um, you know, growing up, I, I, um, I got away with a few things. And part of that was because I, in some ways, mastered, uh, maybe not mastered, but I'll use that word for, for right now, mastered the art of flattery and, uh, or mastered the art of charming people and, uh, would be probably a better word. And I'm sure this word is used here, a brown noser. Is that, you know what that, that means? Yeah. Okay. So we know what a brown noser means. And, and, um, you know, the reality in school and with teachers, I sometimes, uh, was that. Um, and I guess, um, you know, I knew what to say. I knew how to say it. Uh, to get away with certain things. And I, I always knew that, um, I guess, what to do to gain a little bit of favor with some of my teachers. And uh, 
And so I needed to have this, this charm because I also um, managed to get myself into a lot of trouble as well. And so I had to find ways to, to sort of um, have the, um, I guess, I wanted to outweigh the, the, the bad me with the good me. So I made sure that I, I charmed people so that people saw that instead of seeing the bad me getting in trouble. And uh, I've told this, this story a few times before um, where I was – one day I was in class and uh, it was in art class with my, one of my teachers called Miss Anna Lunas. And uh, I was sitting, sitting down and I was turned – so she was kind of at the front of the class. So you guys are the – you're where she was, and I was I was talking to a friend like this, and but I was sitting down, and so she said, Julian, you need to turn around, and so I stood up, and I turned around completely and sat back down, and uh, she did really did not appreciate that, but these were the little things that I would do um, that I'm not necessarily proud of now. However, I do think that um, you got to do things like that in life so you have stories to share later on, right? I mean, it's like sometimes uh, sometimes pastor's kids are the worst kids sometimes, um, but they have some of the greatest stories when they you know, become youth pastors or whatever it might be. They have the greatest stories to tell because they did some pretty horrific kind of really funny sort of things that were fairly harmless at the end of the day. I mean, I know I was disrespecting my teacher in that moment, but Honestly, it was fairly harmless, right? I mean, I got in trouble, but it was fairly harmless. And so, anyhow, um, but because I did so those sorts of things with some of my teachers, I also had to kind of come up with ways to sort of charm them. So, in particular with Miss Anna Lunas, I would regularly comment on if she got a new haircut or, or if, like, she had a nice new outfit on. I had another teacher that she had all sorts of, like, crazy out there outfits. But I always made sure that even if it was like, honestly, what are you wearing? It was, wow, that looks really nice. And so I would do these sorts of things um, basically just to make them feel good because that was how I succeeded in school. I made sure that the teachers felt good. And so this is sort of in, in a roundabout way um, what the rich young ruler does. He comes up to Jesus and in many ways, he tries to charm Jesus because he says, good teacher, right? He's like, good teacher. He's trying to kind of get in the good books with Jesus, good teacher, hoping that this will get Jesus to buy into the fact that his goodness would be enough. And the reality is that, you know, Jesus clearly doesn't fall for it, but takes the opportunity to, to essentially reveal some stuff to this rich young ruler. Now, by the way, Jesus didn't fall for it with the rich young ruler, but my teachers fell for it all the time, which is a bonus for me. They always fell for the charm. And so, um, so in this account, we first of all, we see that, that Jesus deflects all the goodness to God, doesn't he? He says, he says these words, uh, there's six words. He says, no one is good except God alone. No one is good except God alone. And what's amazing is that Jesus even puts himself into this category. Right? He puts himself into this category. Jesus doesn't 
elevate himself, but um, he speaks to the rich, the, the rich young ruler, um, sort of on this man-to-man level, doesn't he? And and uh, I mean, he may have had a little more insight, being the son of God, right? But he he speaks to this man on kind of a man-to-man level. And what I love about Jesus and is portrayed here so well is that he doesn't come and make a point of who he is, right? He doesn't do that. But he, he, he doesn't come and say, this is how amazing I am. But he comes to him as a humble servant and speaks truth and in love because he wants the absolute best for this guy. And the same is true for us. He doesn't come and sort of lord himself over us, uh, over us, but he came as a humble servant and he wants the absolute best for us. And so when he speaks to us, he, he, he speaks in love and he speaks in truth so that, so because ultimately he wants to see us grow in relationship with him. He, he knows what is best for us. So he comes and he speaks truth, but he does it in love. Right. And so, um, you know, at this point, I'm sure this guy is thinking, oh man, what have I gotten myself into, right? This guy is actually like really smart and he's got some like inside scoop into my life. And so he's thinking, what have I got myself into? And so after Jesus explains that who is good, he goes back to this eternal life question and begins to list off some of the commands, right? He lists off five of them and we'll go, go there in a second. But you know, you know when you're, you're trying to impress someone, I don't know if anybody else besides me has, has done that, but you're trying to impress someone and you leave certain aspects out. You give the info you think they want to hear. Anybody done that? A few. Thank you. You're, yeah. Well, you know, I, I always like CVs because CVs, when you, when you read one, like when Kyla has helped me write one of mine in the past and, uh, you look at it and like this, this guy's amazing, right? Like, or you get your own CV and after somebody's helped you with it, you're like, I want to meet this person, right? I mean, it just, it's amazing. You're just like, this is incredible. This person is like just most amazing person around. Or sometimes, um, you know, in an interview, Obviously, in an interview, they ask you questions where maybe you have some weaknesses, right? And you, but you always make sure that whatever the weakness that you may have and you've prepared in your mind to tell them, you always put a spin on it so that that weakness becomes a strength to them, right? That's what you do. And, and so again, you highlight all of these amazing things about yourself and you purposely, obviously in an interview and in your CV writing, you leave out all of the, the stuff that is not so, you know, wonderful about you, right? That's kind of what we do. And, um, you know, I'm not necessarily proud of this. Actually, one other thing is like when you're trying to impress a boy or a girl, again, you sort of leave certain aspects out. I tried to do that with Kyla. I left really good, uh, or really, you know, the not so good things about me, but they did end up coming out because now we've been married for 15 years and sooner or later, it comes out. So you may as well just be honest from the very beginning. But some of the other things that Kyla um, has not really liked about me sometimes is is when when I'm sometimes it's because I want to sort of protect her. But other times it's like I'm just keeping stuff from her because 
I don't know, maybe I just don't want to be super honest. And she doesn't, doesn't like that. And I don't like that about myself. But sometimes we don't say certain things because we think it's going to benefit us in the end. And sometimes it really, um, bites us at the very end. And so here's some, you know, some different examples, right? Of, of trying to maybe portray something about us without mentioning some of the other things that we know about ourselves. And this guy, no doubt, knew all the commandments. But when he responds, he simply agrees with Jesus or simply agrees with what Jesus Jesus said. And instead of being, uh, you know, being outright with where he's at, um, you know, with, with where he's falling short, he just agrees with the five that Jesus shares. Right? That's what he does. And so, um, again, hoping that, that his sheer goodness will, in a sense, um, be what, uh, be enough, that it'll be what, what, what he needs. And so, what's interesting in these five, um, commandments is that Jesus lists off our, um, the, I get the five commandments that Jesus lists off, lists off are these external type commandments. Three command, um, they're commandments that are actions against others. Okay. And if we were to go through the scriptures again, we would see that there are these external type commands and they're actions against others. Whereas the five Jesus doesn't mention are internal type of commands. They're heart actions towards God. So one, they're, they're these heart actions, um, against others. And in, but the five that he doesn't mention are heart actions towards God. And so generally speaking, the rich man was good towards others, but his heart was far from God. And he was trying to, in a sense, look at his life and go, well, I've, I've got all this. Is that good enough? Will that cut it, Jesus? And Jesus in love, again, he's wanting to point out to him that, no, that's, that's not enough because there's these other aspects that you're missing, particularly your heart action towards God. And so this is the point that Jesus was trying to reveal, trying to point out to this guy. You're doing good here, but some things need to change here. And so it says, um, you know, and I really believe that if this guy didn't walk away, he would have heard the third part, which, um, yeah, so he, he's like, you're doing good here. You need to make some changes here. And then, and then he walks away. And in verse 27, it says, um, what is impossible with men is possible with God. And it's like, if he had just waited around for that, he would have realized that you can't do that on your own strength, but but God can help you to put him first in your life. And so in other words, Jesus was trying to, to make it possible for this guy. He was, again, he wants so badly to have relationship with us. And so he doesn't want to make it impossible. He wants to make it possible, but he needs us to allow him to make that possible in our lives. He was simply saying, you can't make it happen, but God can. But God can make it happen in our lives. And so when Jesus said, you still lack one thing, sell everything you have and give to the poor, giving to the poor wasn't 
the problem because that was a way of him giving or, uh, you know, it was an action towards others. He had no problem being that guy. So giving to the poor wasn't the problem. Um, it was selling everything. Obviously, in this particular case, he was more interested in what he had over God having him. He was more interested in, in what he had than God having him. And, you know, I really believe that, that, that even if this guy decided to do what Jesus said in that moment, it wouldn't have been the action of selling everything that would have given him eternal life, but it would have been God's grace. You know, in Ephesians 2, we read the scripture, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You know, it would have been, it would have been God's grace that would have saved him, not him selling his possessions, because then he could go around and boast about what he did to get eternal life. But the reality is that it's a gift and it's God's grace. And so the action of giving something up doesn't save you, but it does tell God you're serious. And, you know, many times it's not about us giving something up before you come to God, right? Sometimes it's about just coming to God. And in that moment, he begins to point different things out and he gives us that strength to give things up. But in this particular case, Jesus was simply responding to a question, right? And so Jesus laid it out plain. Salvation is free, but it'll cost you your life. But ultimately, what I have found, and maybe some of you have found, is that it will cost you your life. But I love that I know that I'm not going to live with regrets because I've, because I have just surrendered my life to him. You guys, does that make sense? What I'm saying there? You know, because I don't want this to come across like, oh, well, I just got to give things up and then, then God will accept me. That's not, that's not the case. But in this particular case, Jesus was trying to point out certain things to this man so that he would know, um, what he needed to do and what it would cost him. We know in this story that money and possessions were the man's stumbling block to receiving eternal life. Material goods were more important to him than God. And I think in, in so many ways, and, and I've kind of been there myself, as I said a, a few minutes ago, is that maybe we can all relate to maybe material possessions, sometimes uh, taking the space that God needs to fill. You know, but sometimes idols are not strict, strictly material things, but are anything that becomes more important and takes our attention away from God. You know, sometimes fear could be an idol in our life. Sometimes control can be an idol in our life. You know, there's so many different things that can actually be idols in our lives that are not material possessions whatsoever. But it's because you think on those things more than you think on God. Those things become idols because you're allowing those things to control your life over allowing God to lead your life. And so we have to keep in mind that that sometimes it is material possessions, but sometimes it can just be these other things that can that can get in the way of putting God first in our lives. Jesus is regularly pursuing us. He regularly desires our hearts because he knows that, that there are many things that will mislead us into thinking that we're on track 
with him when in actual fact we have come off the rails slightly. You know, tonight is a little bit about just kind of asking ourselves that question. Where am I at with you, God? You know, am I looking elsewhere or do I recognize that you are good and that you're able to fill every nook and cranny in my life because you are a good God? And you know, this guy, he was completely off track, right? I mean, he, um, he hadn't even come to the place of surrendering to God. But for you and I, it's maybe, it's not as severe in the sense that, that maybe most of us in this room, um, you know, our salvation is not at jeopardy. But we're not a hundred, hundred percent convinced that God is good. So we don't need to look elsewhere. We're not convinced about that. You know, when that, you know, when that kind of line was put up there, it's like, what, what did you think about? Did you think, oh, actually, I am looking elsewhere? Or did you think, just think, no, God is the one that's able to bring the fulfillment and the fullness that I need? You know, maybe we wouldn't, you know, say that out loud in the sense that, yeah, I'm, I'm not there. But, but are we filling our lives with stuff that externally may look good to us and to others, but an internally, it's keeping God out of the picture. Are there areas in our lives where we're keeping God out of the picture and we're filling it with other things? So a new perspective for a new year is, is yeah, it's, it's, it's looking at things differently and, and hopefully looking at the, these things from God's point of view. But it's also saying, if I want to have a new perspective, I need to pause and see if God is actually where he needs to be in my life. Is God in the place that he needs to be? And so my prayer for us tonight is simply this, that in this year you will come to a place of knowing this truth for yourself, that God is good, so we don't need to look elsewhere. That statement is truth. It's just a matter of whether we are aligning ourselves with that statement. Do we believe that statement to be true or do we try and look elsewhere to fill the void? And the beautiful part about it all, again, in verse 27, is where it says, what is impossible with men is possible with God. And I think it brings that, that one verse sort of encapsulates everything in the sense that that we may not feel we have the strength or the ability to overcome some of the challenges that we are facing. We may not, we may be looking into other things to fill our lives, right? And, and it's like, how am I ever going to have enough strength to give that up? How am I ever going to be able to, to overcome this, this fear or this control or this, this ability to manipulate or whatever it might be? that we are maybe looking to instead of looking to God. But he says, yeah, you're right. You can't do this on your own. But with God, you can do it. With God, the Holy Spirit working in our lives, he will bring that strength and that, in a sense, that ability to, to give those things up so, so that you'll be able to be in that place of just, yeah, God is, is good, and I believe that 100%. 
David and the team could, Johnny could come up. I'm not sure if, if any of these thoughts tonight have spoken to you. But I think in a, in a nutshell, my desire is that, is that we, would, we would not try to fill our lives with other things that ultimately may bring pleasure for a few moments, but will ultimately not fulfill like Jesus can. And if you're in this room and, and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, this is a great opportunity because at the end of the day, this story, this man asks, what must I do to, in, to inher- inherit eternal life? And really, at the end of the day, it's to say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've fallen short. I need a savior. Thank you that you went to the cross. You took my sin upon yourself. You, you went to the cross in my place. And all I have to do is, is, is recognize that and by faith say, Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord and the Savior of my life. That's all we have to do. And it's not a, a fancy prayer. It's just a surrendering of the heart. It's just a, a complete yielding to him saying, God, have your way in my life. I, I want you to be the Lord and Savior. But maybe if that's not you this evening and you're a believer and uh, a follower of Christ and there's areas in your life that you know maybe aren't completely surrendered to God, maybe you're just trying to fill them with different things. I've, I've done it lots. If my walk with him is not, you know, in the place it needs to be, you start buying things, you start looking at other things or whatever it might be. We all have our we all try to bring fulfillment in different ways with whatever kind of makes us tick. And, uh, and my prayer is that this year, if there's things in our lives that, that are keeping us from experiencing his fullness or that are keeping us from just putting our 100% trust in him, that this year you would overcome those things. That, that at the end of this year, you'd be able to say, wow, I've seen how once I just yielded to God in this area, it's no longer, it doesn't have a hold on me anymore. But I can just see how, how good God is in my life. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.